I'll be honest with you, rodeo season is about to kick off, and I am not a rodeo guy, uh, but I do like good cowboy boots. And Tacovas, well, they're all about rodeos, but you know what else they're about? Rock and roll. My best friend is a rock and roller. He's a guitarist. He wears these boots. It's awesome. Tacovas believes in Western for all, and you can feel that when you go into their stores. When you walk in, you'll be greeted like family. Offer to boot shine and drinks, yes, even the hard stuff if you prefer. And you can get custom fitted for a new pair of boots. You can even get custom leather stamping or branding that'll make your boots truly one of a kind. Look up your closest store on Tacovas.com. If you can't make it into the store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com. And Point your toes west. As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovas has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on Tacovas.com. Just use the code TRUCKS at checkout. That's T-R-U-C-K-S. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter the code TRUCKS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas, Only at Tacovas.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, Nathan, um, before we let people know why it's me and you doing the truck podcast today, mm-hmm. the question I have for you is a simple one. Are electric trucks stupid? They can be, or they might not be. It it really depends on the individual, and I think that's one of the things we needed to cover because we've had enough experience now with every available electric truck, plus we have a lot of insight with a lot of the trucks that are coming, to where I think we can, with some authority, say, okay, if you're this type of person, this will work, but if you're this type of person, walk away. Yeah, I think so. So in this uh, podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about the misconceptions, the truths, uh, our experiences. I mm. mean, we've owned a bunch of electric trucks, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to hopefully uh, shed some light as to whether electric trucks are stupid. Uh, but before we do that, let's talk about why I'm here instead of Andre. That's because Andre can't keep up with your hairstyles. Every time you do a new one, Andre's like, I'm out. Actually, Andre is uh, having quite the adventure. He is in a truck mm-hmm. driving from... Uh, Vegas to Reno, Nevada, uh, in the new Colorado ZR2. And he's having the time of his life. I suspect he is. Yeah. And he also uh, did something exclusive for TFL, Nathan, which mm-hmm. is he got hands-on on the new uh, 2500 uh, Silverado um, ZR2 Bison. Bison yeah. Basically a power wagon competitor. 
It is, and it's going to be fascinating to hear not only what he has to say about it, but eventually to get our hands on it because I'm excited. So he, he interviewed the chief engineer, mm -hmm. and that video is over at All TFL. So, uh, you know, we could ask the same thing, actually. You could ask the question, are heavy-duty off-road trucks stupid? But that's a whole different topic. Maybe uh, next time. The answer is no, by the way, just so you know. The answer is no. Well, they, are, they are big and cumbersome. They're big and awesome. If you <laughs> Once again, if you use them in the right way. Um, maybe And maybe that's where we're going to be going with this conversation about it. But I I actually had a rant. Yeah, and go if for you it. were Andre, I'd still do the rant. And it is truck related. It's my truck related. All right, let's hear your rant. So, if, for those of you who don't know, Nathan is a happy new owner, well, relatively new owner of a Hyundai Santa Cruz. Yeah. The new compact truck that competes with the Ford Maverick. Yeah, that is correct. They directly compete with each other. I have the SEL model, which has the naturally aspirated four-cylinder engine and the regular eight-speed auto, not the tw uh, dual clutch. It's four-wheel drive. And so far, driving-wise, it's been flawless. Uh, I've got uh, about 5,300 miles on it or something like that now. You're driving it a lot. I'm driving it a lot. Well, I, I drive it back and forth from uh, Denver, Colorado to Boulder between three and five times a week. And uh, plus, we've been using it on small trips. It's been great. But they recently had a recall. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm actually one of the few people who's happy about recalls because it means that the automaker's paying attention. And they had a recall about the wiring harness. Now, the wiring harness is specifically for the tow package, which comes directly from the manufacturer. They put it in, which is how I bought my truck pickup. Anyway, so when, it, um, when I got the recall, it basically said, don't park in a garage because you'll burn the house down Whoa. possibly and kill your children. But but honestly, that's no matter what automaker you are, if there's an electrical issue, you should never park your vehicle in a so, garage. So, so we've had that same warning on our Ram, mm -hmm. and we've had the same warning on the Bolt, mm -hmm. the old Bolt. So this is not – it sounds scary, but it's not as <clears throat> unusual as you might see. There's only been one incident of, of any spark or anything okay. else like that. But they took it seriously, and so this is what they do with the recall. They bring you in. Yep. And Give you bad coffee. No, I didn't even bother with the coffee. I left so quickly. Uh, I had work to do. So, uh, but they'll they disconnect the actual wiring harness and just remove it. They remove the whole thing. It's now out of the picture. And then later on, they'll replace it. This is fine. Sorry, I'm going to cough. Yeah, no worries. So basically, they removed your wiring harness, which yeah. means you can now not tow. I can't tow a damn thing really, unless it's like some tiny, tiny well, you trailer. Could, you could you could slip a, like a, <clears throat> like a bike thing on it. Well, that's a, yeah. Well, that's that's a, of course me. That's what I do. Bike. Anyway, so I can't tow with it now. All right, fine. You know, I get it. They're gonna have to w order the harness now. I figure I know how it come. You know, things they take a while to come, and so I figured, yeah, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, maybe maybe a couple months. I look at the service advisor when I pick up my Santa Cruz, and I say, "Hey, how long is it going to take?" And without batting an eyelash, he says, "Oh, at least six months." Whoa. For a wiring harness, meaning I can't tow for six months? What? And the thing is, is that there's other aftermarket um, OE, that, that work with OEMs that build wiring harnesses that would go right in, and I'm tempted just to go there. The whole purpose of getting this was... Like U-Haul does those. Yeah, U-Haul does them, yeah. um, uh, Cat Heart, uh, a few others. And the point is, is that I can't tow until I get it. So for six months, and I was planning on towing some small trailers and do, even doing a couple videos, can't do those now. 
So well, you could um, put a bike rack in there. I mean, I, I don't want to put a bike rack okay. in there, Roman. I don't. <laughs> Bicyclists bother me. Their puny little legs making things go when you can get a two-stroke, or even electrically powered, which we'll go back to in a second. By the way, anyway, that's my rant. I'm a little upset about it. I'm not upset about the recall at all. Totally get I, I, that. I, I, I just. I gotta say, I wouldn't have brought it in if I had known. Uh, that they didn't have a replacement harness. I think I would have kept the old one. <laughs> I actually was thinking that too. And you know, I was about to say, hey, uh, could you uh, give me that thing you pulled out of there and I'll just shove it right back in. Um, it's, I, 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 I'm not 100% sure what to do. Do I wait? And, and six months is, by the way, the you guy wait. said, you, you wait. What are you he gonna do? said at least six months. What well, you, I could buy an aftermarket one and put oh. it in there. I could. Yeah. But then uh, would I avoid warranty? I have to look into all of these things, which, by the way, if you guys go through this and you do something like replace a wiring harness, make sure you're not voiding your warranty. So, so, so let me let me. Under, so the way this works, let me just kind of I, I want to make sure people understand a wiring mm. harness in the traditional sense would be something that is a big loom of wires that controls everything in the vehicle. Right. And there's a bunch of those wires going like, 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 like almost like a spider web to all different parts. Right. So that would like be a, the larger right. wiring harness. So, this so, is the smaller one so, that just goes to the trailer. So, so this is just basically the way that most wire, these things work are uh, you like the way you all would do it is that they would hook up a wire uh, from the taillights mm -hmm. and then it would go into a little, how many, how many pin connector do this have? Mine's a four, but they have a seven one as well. So a four pin connector mm -hmm. so that when the brake lights turn on, the, um, the the trailer lights uh, lights turn yeah, out yeah. as well yeah yeah exactly yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a couple wires it's not a big deal I would say that I've done it at U-Haul probably about six times yeah. putting hitches on remember my black pickup truck right. I had them doing on that um, two hundred fifty bucks I think it was and they um, had it done in about a half an hour to forty five minutes they just popped it on there. The, the problem with that in modern vehicles is uh, because modern vehicles now like know how much current is going into the light bulb or an LED bulb, and if you start draining it, it'll throw a fault. So the, 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 the vehicle has to know or somebody has to tell the vehicle that there is that wire or that wiring harness connected to it. That is correct. Otherwise, and it's going to throw a, a fault, and then it's going to confuse the computer, and you get into all kinds of havoc. Right, which is why when you get one from the factory, they already have a setup inside the vehicle ready to go basically plug and play where they can hook up the harness and there's no issues. It doesn't cause any problems with the car, except for apparently uh, a recall uh, with a possible spark. So anyway, um, I'm, I'm at a point right now where I'm thinking minimum six months to wait for a part that frankly shouldn't take that long, or do I replace it entirely with something else so I can tow in the near future, which is what I was hoping to do. So the, stay the, tuned. The other issue that, that you might have is that you know you, you're kind of rolling the dice when you take it to uh, an aftermarket place. You could get the uh, consummate professional who has been a mechanic all his life, who has done dozens or hundreds of these things, mm -hmm. or you could get the stoner. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but you, you don't know. Well, yeah. If the stoner's creative, I'm happy. Now, I, and and the good news is I've actually installed these on older trucks and whatnot before myself. This is something that I wouldn't mind a, a, a professional doing, but that way they're they're liable if there's anything that really goes wrong. And in, it's, it's, my debate is right now, do I wait for the component to come from the factory or do I go and just replace it? Because I really do need to tow in uh, about two months. So, you know, that's, that's my question. But that's my rant. And I apologize for going slightly off topic. But for those of you who have had vehicles recalled, especially trucks, and you've lost a component that you needed for towing or hauling or something, I'm sure you can sympathize so that's where I am right now, and I'm, I'm a little bit of a sad Nathan, because a lot of you guys out there who are like, you should have bought the Maverick, now you're totally like, oh, see, see what you did wrong? And it's like- You couldn't have gotten the Maverick. 
I know I couldn't. <laughs> who, who are you going to buy the Maverick? It's really funny because it's just <laughs> like, I, I, still, I have a friend who's still waiting, and it's yeah, been almost exactly, a year. So. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so let's move on to, or move back over to the to electric our, pickup. Our electric truck's stupid. Yeah, so first of all, before we deep dive into this topic, uh, let me tell you why I thought this would be a good topic. Okay. Uh, and before I tell you why, I have to keep taking steps back. Uh, let's let's designate the world, and I, I know this is stereotypical, so for the most part, it's it's, you know... Take it with a huge grain of salt, but there, there are two different types of pickup owners, mm. all right, or truck owners, right? There are the Rivian owners, which I would put in the same basket as Tesla owners, right? These are not traditional truck people. Okay. These these are truck curious people. <laughs> they, wow, they, they, you know they're identifying themselves as truck people. They maybe have owned like a midsize truck, right, and they want the um, utility that the Rivian offers with the electricity and the technology that it offers, but they're not the people who are hauling hay for a living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would say they're also kind of maybe in the Jeep world because they like the adventure part of that vehicle. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, 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 it's a much more, I would say tech, um, I don't know if savvy is probably not the right word because a lot of people are tech savvy, but they are but tech te- lovers, tech minded, right? Yeah, right. Because electric trucks, kind of, and electric vehicles in general, kind of appeal to your head, whereas like you know, gasoline powered vehicles appeal to your heart, right? It's emotion versus intellect in some I, ways. Yes, and then you talk to the bevy of um, Tesla owners who are buying Teslas because they love Tesla. So there, there, there is something. And, and like I said, huge grain of salt. Yeah, I, yeah. I hate stereotyping, but in general. I think the people we've met who've owned Rivians are not people coming out of like heavy-duty diesel trucks. I would agree with that. Yeah. Right. So, so I'm going to take these people out of the discussion. Okay. Because I think they 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 know and understand. I'll give you an example of a person who knows and understands like electric trucks because they're from the electric world, like uh, Tom from. Uh, uh, God, what's his YouTube channel? I can't think of his YouTube channel now. Is he the guy who owns it and actually does that? He owns both the Lightning. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, owns a Lightning. A State of Charge. I think that's his. Is that his channel? I think that's his channel. State okay. of Charge. Tom Alagni. Anyway, uh, he owns both the Lightning and he owns Rivian. Uh, and, and you know, and and he of course came from the Tesla world, but he comes from from kind of that world well, of he's technology. A tech guy. Yeah, he's, he's a tech a, guy. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. Properly, is yeah. A tech so, guy. so, so, what, what, you know, I think he has a very comprehensive understanding of what the limitations of electric trucks are. Right, and he's already coming in on on a uh, he's a fan of electricity, and he right, has he's, a much he's more, a, yeah. almost a fanboy. So you know, he bought both of them, and he's mm-hmm. putting money down in every truck. So I, I think that's kind of one bucket, and then the other bucket would be our friend Tim. Which Tim? Uh, Tim uh, from SUV and Truck Talk. Oh, that guy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Tim, Tim Esterdahl. Yeah, Tim Esterdahl. So, so Tim Esterdahl comes from a much more uh, traditional place, mm-hmm. right? And, and for, for him, uh, electric trucks kind of, I think, and I've been listening to Tim's podcast, I've listening to your podcast, a lot of them represent everything that's wrong with, with, with electric trucks, right? Mm-hmm. They, they don't have enough range. They can't tow. I'm just going to go down the litany of, of typical complaints, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they, 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 they don't charge in the winter. Too expensive. Too expensive. Uh, and a lot of these va- things are, are valid. So, so you've got kind of two types of people. Uh, but I think if you're trying to sell the trucks we'll be talking about, now we'll talk about the cyber truck as well. That kind of will, I think, sell more or less to the, the – the Toms of the world, mm. right? Let's, let's divide them into that kind of category. Whereas, like the the, the the Ram that's behind us, I think that's a truck that's more aimed at the Tims of the world. 
Okay. Does that, does that make sense how it kind of <clears throat> broken that down? Or am I, well, I like how you have Tom and Tim. Yeah, okay. That, <laughs> you like, you like the two names. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, so we're if you're be... a Cybertruck person, then you're a Tom. If you're uh, a Ram Revolution person. No, if you're, a, if you're a diesel guy, you're a Tim. If you're dis- a diesel guy, you're a Tim. Okay, right, fair right. enough. And he uh, has a diesel right now. Right, right. So, so in this podcast, I think we're going to be talking more to the Tims of the world than to the Toms of the world. Because I think the Toms understand the limitations. Uh, because they, they come into this with, uh, you know, a kind of a, an understanding of how the world of electric vehicles works mm-hmm. and the limitations and the challenges and, of course, the advantages. Whereas I think kind of the Tims of the world uh, feel like they're being um, uh, taken uh, for a ride and are having electric trucks. Another ga- that might be, you know, our friend David, right? He, he might be also in that case. I think David is even more so. Yeah. Because David is, a pro- is on a farm, on a ranch. Right. And he's, he's now driven an electric truck far more than Tim has. You know, all the way through Alaska and all that too. Yeah. So, 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 so we'll so, say Tom and David. Yeah. So you know, they feel uh, like they're uh, having electrification shoved down their throats, mm. which is fair. You know. Yeah. Uh, they, they feel like you know the the needs and the um, both emotional and um, professional needs that they have are well suited with the current state of the truck world, uh, and that they're going to lose a lot of the things that they love about trucks when they go to electrification. Okay. So I want to talk to those people more than I want to talk to I those. would agree, but there, there is a little bit of an elephant in the room other than I. Okay. And that would be hybrids, hybridization, electrification with still using a gas engine because right now um, they are, automakers are working with Congress in order to try to straighten a few things out when it comes to having hybrids. So let's, let's put that aside for now. Yeah, but I, I just want to say that's yeah, also out there. I think it's a, there. it's a good topic. I don't want to muddy the water with hybrids or with range extenders. We'll, br- we'll bring that in at the end. Okay. Let's just talk purely, let's keep it simple talk, internal combustion mm-hmm. versus uh, electrification. Okay. All right, and then we, we can kind of compare the trucks and we'll go down the list of trucks and talk about like the advantages, disadvantages, and hopefully in a classic kind of journalistic way, uh, you'll have a sense for the advantages and disadvantages, the pros and cons of each truck. Well, why don't we... And then we'll be clear-eyed and we'll be completely objective. We have no horse in this race. No. And, and, and the other thing I, need, I think needs to be said, Nathan, is we have a lot of experience with electric trucks. We bought the Ford Lightning, drove it all the way from Detroit up to the furthest northern point, Prudhoe Bay, so we put 13,000 miles on that truck, mm-hmm. off-road, on-road, charging it, fast charging it, slow charging it. We also were former owners of the Hummer EV, so you know I've taken that to Moab, I've road-tripped it, you know, we've done all that. So we have a lot of experience with these vehicles. So we've driven every electric, the Rivian as well? Yep, yep. All right, so, so let's start with the latest and greatest and we'll work our way down, mm-hmm. and then we can talk about the pluses and the minuses. Okay, well, right. let's, so what's about to hit? I guess yeah, so let's start with that. Thing. We'll start with so the what's what but behind us, which is the Ram EV, which was previously called the Revolution, but I don't think they're calling it that anymore, or are they? The Ram Rev. Rev, R-E-V, yeah, okay. Short for Revolution. So, just confusing. A couple things on this vehicle. First of all, you may have seen the um, concept, which was really cool, and it was somewhat revolutionary. Aha, uh-huh, I used Rev. And then we saw the production one, which was essentially a Ram truck with a new front end, and really beefy axles, and that's the only way you can tell the difference. Honestly, is the um, eight bolts in the uh, in the hubs and the front end. Otherwise, it looks exactly like any other Ram, similar to what Ford did with the Lightning, where Ford changed the front end and the rear end. But just glancing at it, it looks like an F one hundred and fifty. Yeah. So I, we actually uh, talked to Ram, uh, and the reason they said that the 
concept truck was so revolutionary like mid-gate uh you know pass through yeah uh, seats that seating for six they said that that is their future hopes for the rev it's blam, not, blam, blam. right that's what they're saying is that that's what we're going to see 10 20 15 years from now yeah I, I know but it's just like telling somebody that uh you know hey i got a movie that you guys are going to love it's fantastic it's coming out in 10 years but check it out it's not it doesn't work that way but anyway the point is, is that they still did build this truck, and they built it with their new architecture, the uh, Stella uh, Heavy underpinnings, which is similar to what Ford is doing in terms of the, it's part of a frame. And then it, in between, it's sandwiched a battery, a huge battery, too. It's one of the biggest ones out there. Four-wheel independent suspension, all-wheel drive with two electric motors, I believe. Yep. Um, the numbers are astonishing in yeah, terms of what yeah. they did. So let's talk about that. So Ram is going to be the last of the three domestic manufacturers to come out with an electric truck. Yep. Forder, of course, already has a Lightning. <clears throat> the Silverado should be coming any, any day time now. now. But, yeah. but they've been, you know, I think they rolled out two Hummer EVs this year. So I don't know. I think, uh, I think you know, the, the, the consensus among the industry is that uh, GM is having a really hard time getting batteries out the door. Yeah. Not that, the truck itself, but the batteries. The big surprise there, huh? And so what Ram did was they <laughs> uh, benchmarked the other two, kind of the way the Bronco benchmarked the Wrangler, and then they mm -hmm. went above it. So, for instance, it's got the biggest, uh, in terms of cubic feet, uh, front of the three trucks. Yeah. Bigger than the Silverado, bigger than the Lightning. It also has the biggest battery. So we're looking at, uh, I think the the, uh, the Hummer EV was a 205-kilowatt-hour battery. Um, and think for all you kind of Davids of the world, think about kilowatt hour battery as the size of the fuel tank, right? Yeah, right. Basically. Right. So, so if let's say the Ford, which has a, the, the extended one has a hundred and oh, I'm forgetting these numbers, 130 kilowatt hour battery. That's like having maybe a 26 gallon fuel tank. Okay. Right. That would be in a, in a pickup. But the Ram... Uh, but the Ram has like 230 kilowatt hour battery, which would be like having... Uh, what's the biggest fuel tank you can get in a truck? 36 or something like, like that? Like a 36 30, gallon 38 fuel tank. maybe? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, within reason. Yeah, so it's got the biggest fuel tank, which means that uh, Ram is saying it'll have a range of 500 miles. Which is insane. Yes. That's, that's really good. And because of the architecture, Ram is also saying that it will uh, tow up to 14,000 pounds. Yes, but you will no longer have that 500-mile range. No, of course not. We'll get into that in a second. Yeah. So, you know, 14, and I forget what the payload is. The pay payload's really high, too. It's also high. Yeah, it's extremely high. It's almost up there with a one-ton truck, so, so which it, might explain the axles, too. So it exceeds the Lightning, mm -hmm. and it exceeds the Silverado. And, and I guess one of the things that being last of the party means is you can make a grand entrance and come, you know, uh, dressed up nicer than, than the other guests because you can see what the other guests are wearing. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. It's going to be interesting because one of the things that Ram is doing is they're essentially taking everything from everybody else's playbook and they're going up a notch. They have already out, we, we can already assume a couple things. One, they will probably have one of the nicer interiors out there. Even if you're not a Ram fan, you have to admit, they really do an excellent job with their interior design. And then on top of that, they're taking all the tech that they've already learned from, they're taking the tech that they're getting from their new partners with through Stellantis, and they're adding that to this vehicle. Now, that means that its architecture essentially is the same as the Ford's, but with this extra range and everything else, I can only imagine this truck's going to weigh about 8,500 pounds. Well, we know that the Hummer EV that we had weighed 9,500, and that's one of, you, you just touched upon it, uh, you know, weight, weight can, look, weight for performance can be a bad thing, right? When you're off-roading or when you're... More often than not, it's bad, yeah. It's bad, but also weight can be a good thing. Think about like a bus and how comfortable that is, right? Because a bus is heavy and it's got an extremely long wheelbase. And so it, it does really well in terms of giving you a really supple ride. So weight, there are times when weight can be positive, but in general, it's negative and electric trucks suffer with weight because the biggest weights, weight's negative, and this is an example of semi-trucks. The reason semi-trucks aren't you know, flying off the shelves in electric form is because you're spending so much of its payload in battery weight mm -hmm. that then you don't have as much payload when it comes to actually hauling stuff. And the same problem happens with, with this, right? A lot of that weight that would normally go into payload or into towing uh, then becomes battery weight that you're lugging around. Yeah, and that affects everything from handling to, once again, off-road capability and certain other things I, as well. I think they're saying zero to 60 in like four seconds, so once again, crazy yeah, quick. Stupid fast. And, yeah. yeah. So I think that this is going to bridge the gap between the um, Rivian and its capabilities, its numbers, and the Ford Lightning and its numbers. This is going to sit right in between the two of them, but it'll outperform all of them In terms with of range. zero sixties. Yeah, 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 I think uh, the Rivian's like 3.3. Yeah, 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 the Rivian's so faster. The Rivian's going to be faster. Uh, the Lightning's a little bit slower. But uh, then there's the Chevrolet. We don't know the number on the Chevrolet. Yeah, that's the thing is that we don't quite have all those numbers in on the Chevrolet. I have a feeling that they're going to... Well, they have a base model we do know a little bit about, which is it will undercut this vehicle in terms of price. It makes sense. But well, we don't know the price either. Well, the, the, the assumption is this is going to be in the high 80s. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. think that's a smart assumption. We know uh, that uh, the work truck, the Silverado work truck, comes in at $72,000 right now. That's the work truck. And that's the work truck. And the first edition is like eighty-three or $10,000. Silverado EV, by the way. I should yeah. caveat there. So yeah, that, yeah. yeah, yeah. so we do know how much those cost. We mm -hmm. know that the Ford uh, Lightning work truck. Keeps going up in price. Yeah, started at thirty-nine, and now it's up to fifty-seven, I believe. Something like last that, Last time yeah. I checked. Yeah. And, like, they just increased the price of the one that we had. We had a Lariat. Uh, that was eighty-one, and now those things are, like, $83,000 more, basically. So they're eighty-three. So these are very expensive <laughs> trucks, and I think you bring out a good point, Nathan. Electric trucks, uh, in general, are more expensive than their internal combustion counterparts. Yes, and it will take... Now, I've heard other arguments, I've listened to other podcasts, including friends of ours, and 
Some of them are basing it solely on gas and, you know, how long it takes for you to to get to a point to where there's perigee, where there's you're at the point where you've actually paid for the truck in terms of gas costs versus electricity. Because electricity still is cheaper to move a vehicle a distance. True. But it takes time. And with these trucks costing 70, 80, 90, 100,000 dollars, it takes a long time to get there. However, there is a benefit. And a lot of people aren't talking about this. And I can tell you straight off from our experience, if you take it to a dealership, most likely you will not have to pay a dime for any actual maintenance fluid changes, washer fluid, I think you could do yourself, or anything other than perhaps a tire rotation. Everything about an electric vehicle is very good for long-term longevity with the exception of the battery and batteries now are working better for long-term longevity. So in terms of just taking it to a dealership and having work done, something you rarely will have to do. All right, so let, let me let me do a little like 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 let me, let me put some columns together. So on the on the left side is uh, is um, we're gonna we're gonna try to keep score. On the left side is the electric truck. On the right side is an electric combustion truck. Mm -hmm. Okay. So price wise, uh, uh, the electric truck costs more. Currently, yes. All right. So that that's that's the downside. To mm -hmm. But uh, on the plus side for the electric truck it needs very little maintenance very little maintenance right so so cost more but less maintenance so mm -hmm. over, over over time that may become a wash it depends uh, how long you keep it but it, that. that's that's of course the one of the points but also that means less downtime if you're using it as a service vehicle of some sort or and, in a fleet and then the other thing i want to touch upon and Tommy and i just did this video and there's been studies now keep in mind teslas have been around uh, for over 10 years over 10 years now yeah and there have been studies and, and people think that batteries are like I've got my phone here people think that that truck batteries and car batteries are like phone batteries and they're not so what happens is you end up getting a little bit of degradation right away so if you curved if you did a if you did a bar or curve right uh, a graph you, what you would see is a slow amount of degradation I'm talking about how much power the battery you know has and can hold and can hold and uh, Quickly, that flattens out and it stays relatively flat. So a 10-year-old Tesla may lose 10 per, And I'm picking Tesla because it's the longest electric truck. 10% mm -hmm. of its usability. 10%, Nathan. And people assume because of what happened with the, the Leaf, right, which had air-cooled batteries as opposed to climate-controlled batteries, that all batteries are are like their phone, in which case after a year they lose 50%, they have to plug them in, every, and that's that, not what happens. And also it's not true. It's not true. The Leaf that I owned, which I owned for three years, that vehicle only lost, and it was a 2016. And that's the worst of them. And that's the worst of them. That only lost about 5% or 6% of its overall charge uh, capability, and it works just fine. I think that it depends on the environment that the vehicle is in. That is definitely true because batteries do degrade at different rates and different temperatures. Also, how actually, actually, I don't think that's true, Nathan. No, so, it, it is true. It's scientifically proven. No, no. So what happened with the Leaf battery? The reason they all went bad was because they were air cooled, and people who had them in Arizona, obviously the batteries overheated and they weren't cooled. If you have a proper electric vehicle that has climate controlled batteries, that vehicle will keep that battery in its optimal range for so, a much longer period of time. Yes. No, I mean that's that, that's what they do. So even 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 though you lose, so, so the reason I'll give you an example. The reason you lose 
range, which that's a, that's a demerit of electric vehicles mm -hmm. in the winter, is because a lot of that battery power is being used to heat the battery as opposed to extending your range, right? So, so batteries are like humans. They want to be in like, you know, whatever you're comfortable in. What are you comfortable in, 70? Uh, uh, 70, just yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, so they want to be in that temperature. So mm -hmm. in the winter, you're spending a lot more of that battery's energy keeping that battery at 70%, at 70 degrees, I mean, as opposed to uh, using it to extend the range of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. And plus, in the winter, you're also using the heater, right? Yeah. The heated seats. So that's why, for the most part, battery degradation or battery range drops in the winter versus the summer. That is part but of it. it but, but it doesn't hurt the battery. No, but long term, there's still loss in batteries. And, and Ford has acknowledged it, and so has Rivian. But like this study the, just found out it was like... At it's most ten percent over it, well, ten years. Yeah, but that still yeah. is degradation, and, and a lot of people out there who are like, "Hey, I spent eighty thousand dollars on a truck, and now it only goes two hundred and twenty miles instead of two hundred and sixty miles." That is a valid issue. I, you know, I, I, I agree. Know, to but, be fair, but to be fair, you know, let, let me let me let me play the devil's advocate here. We buy a lot of classic cars. Mm -hmm. A lot of those ponies have left the building. Oh well, and that's <laughs> that. But that barely even counts. But it, I, but. <laughs> but if I have a vehicle, if I have a truck or a car that I've had for 10 years or more, yeah. most likely if it's internal combustion, if I maintained it correctly, most likely it's going to have about the same output as it did when it was new or maybe just slightly under. Whereas and if I have a new electric vehicle that I kept for 10 years, then I've lost 10% or possibly even a little bit more depending on how I treated that battery. And that does matter. Um, and I think that a lot of people would find that as an issue, especially people who want to own a truck for the life of the truck so, for so, 20 years so, or whatever. So you bring up another good point. We're talking about two different things, right? So mm. battery loses range, but internal combustion engines don't lose range because the gas tank doesn't shrink, obviously. Mm. But they lose horsepower. They well, can they can lose horsepower. Well, everyone I've bought has lost horsepower. Yeah, no, <laughs> and these are old ones. Okay? Uh, so, that's what I'm saying. Old ones, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but, but over 10 years, I, most vehicles pretty much hold on to it, unless they're poorly built. Which does and, happen. And you brought another good point, and that's how you use a battery, right? So obviously, um, this is a whole thing that people. Have. This is there's a whole new language that comes when it, that it comes to electric vehicles, right? So first and foremost, like in a, in, a, in a gas car, you fill up your gas tank all the way. There's no problem. Mm -hmm. In an electric vehicle, you usually only charge it up to about ninety percent if you're not road tripping. And that's to maintain the battery. The other thing you don't want to do is like publicly uh, DC fast charge it. That also degrades the battery. And that's the thing that a lot of people are going to be ticked about because it's like I can go and shove uh, tons of gas into my vehicle, drive it, drive it, drive it, then do it again, do it again, do it again. It's not going to hurt the car. If I do that exact same thing electrically and go to 100% every time I'm charging, then that's not such a good thing for the battery. And Ford said that with the F-150 Lightning, that it's best to keep it charged at a maximum of around 80-85%. And a lot of you guys are like, well, wait a minute, that means that my average range drops instead of 240 miles, let's say, and suddenly it's 200 miles, what the hell's going on? And I agree with you, that is a real issue, but that may be changing in the near future. Remember, battery architecture, which we're gonna to get to in a second, because it's part of the whole political anger thing there, Battery architecture is changing, and there are new batteries, a whole new generation of batteries that are coming out very soon, and you're going to see those in vehicles. And they should not only last longer, but able they should be able to maintain a higher charge without degradation. 
or uh, without major degradation. I think, I think you bring up some excellent points. Mm. Uh, so uh, let's talk about some other things uh, that, that uh, electric vehicles are good at. Mm. Uh, and this, this, I've noticed this because I've been talking to um, <laughs> a lot of women recently, and I, did not, I was not aware of this being kind of a stupid guy, but a lot of women hate going to the gas station, and my wife is one of those. Mine is too. Yeah, uh, and with an electric vehicle, you never have to go to a gas station. No, you, you can use your home as a gas station, and that is a huge plus. Exactly right. Yeah, I think, I think people discount that. I think yeah. they, 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 they just completely glance over that. And like I said, for a lot of women, going to a gas station means, you know, taking their life into their own hands. And I can see that, at, you know, at night, you know, you're in some strange part of the city because you're commuting from work that you normally wouldn't stop at. And now you're stuck, you know, having to. And, and sure, the same thing can happen if you have to go to like a fast charger. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if you're using your truck or your car as a commuter, you just plug it in at home. And unless you're, you know, unless you're driving 150 miles one way, you're never going to have to actually see a gas station unless you're road tripping. Uh, a charger, I'm sorry. I, so just my Nissan Leaf. Now, granted, Nissan Leaf is different, but it's, it's a tiny battery, not a lot of range. And I'd say 90% of the time I charged it from home. And the best thing is, is that Maximum charge by the next day, no problem. And yes, it was okay to maximum charge that little battery. And I only used 110 most of the time. Rarely would I use a the level two. A lot of people two. do that. Yeah, well, actually, it's it. Th- there's a study that was done that says that you'll spend a little less money using 110 than you will level two to, to uh, you know 220, 240, whatever, um, because um, you can you can dial it in to not hit during peak hours easier, and you can actually do that with a lot of vehicles, including trucks. The thing is, and this is really important, we're coming down to really the the crux of the conversation. Are you commuting with the truck or are you going road tripping with the truck? Because that is where the big difference is. We'll we'll get to that in a second. Yes, exactly. That's that's a big part. So so the other big plus for electric vehicles, even electric trucks, right, is cost. Now, um, at home, at night, I pay 17 cents a kilowatt hour. So if the truck has a 100 kilowatt hour battery, mm-hmm. it's going to cost me $17 to fill it up. And I average less than half of what you do because I have solar. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, unless you're DC fast charging all the time. And right now I think Electrify America is at 43 cents a kilowatt hour. And yeah, I want to say really te- expensive. Tesla's at 46. But even at 43 cents a kilowatt hour, 100 kilowatt hours is going to cost you $43, mm-hmm. which depending on the price of gas is usually still cheaper to get the same amount of range that you would get in a gas vehicle. Yeah, no, we did a road trip, if you go over to our EV channel and our car channel, or alltfl.com, where we drove cross country, and we were hitting charges along the way, and we, we did average out at the end of that road trip what it would cost. And it was still, even though we were hitting at you know bad hours and everything else, and we were paying the max for charging, I'd say we probably saved a couple hundred bucks going cross country using just electricity. Now, another um, kind of demerit for the electric truck uh, and all electric vehicles is something that I think a lot of people uh, also are, get confused by, especially let's call them the you know the the, the the traditional truck drivers of the world. And that is when you go to a gas station, you you know you put in your uh, you put in your nozzle and it fills up in what a minute, right? Well, no, not a minute. I mean, two depends. minutes. If you have a you know thirty plus gallon tank, it's right, going to take minutes. you five ten minutes. It depends right. on the, okay, you know. depends on, but it's going to take you minutes. Yes, electric vehicle uh, don't work that way. Uh, they they, t- they take a lot longer to charge up, and there's different uh, types of architecture. Some 
So most electric vehicles are 400 volt, which charge slower. Some are 800 volt, which charge quicker. And then there's a thing called a charging curve. It would be like if you had an electric truck and the size of the uh, hole that you're putting the water into continually changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, not the water, the gas into, right? So it starts out really big, and then over time it gets smaller and smaller until it becomes like the size of a thimble. And so the way that most electric vehicles are charged is you charge them from like 10% to 80%, and that's your optimal uh, charging segment of the battery for fastest charging. And a lot of people don't know that. So so it can take you like twice as long to go from 90% to 100% as it takes you to go from 10% to, to 80%. 80%. Yeah. yeah, and and vehicles with the 800-volt uh, architecture, we've seen speeds that have taken the 10, to, EV. 10 to 15 minutes to go from 10 to 80% in some, in some cases. But everything, you know, everything has to be working right in order for that to happen. And the charger could be an issue. And it doesn't. It rarely does. The only time everything works right with charging is if you have a Tesla. And that, that's going to be one of the biggest advantages of the Cybertruck is that you get to use the Tesla. And On the, the nose right there. Yeah, their, their infrastructure is far better than uh, any other that it's out there. Now, that's right now, though. And, you know, hey, you have to start from somewhere and work your way up to it. But we've been seeing that there have been massive financial contributions going to Electrify America and other ones, and they are building up their networks fast. But let's, let's, let's be honest, it's still a hot mess. It's still mess. nowhere near. It's, it's a hot mess. If you're, if you're using, uh, using non-Teslas, in other words, uh, you know, everything else out there, you're using level three DC fast charging, CCS, mm -hmm. then it's a hot mess, right? Half the time you show up to the station and it's not working. The other half the time it doesn't like initiate the charge. It's very frustrating. It should, and and I've I've been begging uh, Electrify America and all the and other ones. Just, we do. shouldn't just pick on them. No, it's, because it's, it's other ones. There's it's everybody. And it's simple, guys. Make it as simple as going to a gas pump, putting your credit card in, and having it say, yes, let's go. So, I don't care about a network. I just want the damn thing to work real simple with me tapping my card, and boom, I can go. So let me, let me explain the difference. I, we just bought a Tesla Model 3, mm -hmm. uh, and I was up in the high country last week, and I had to charge it. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, there are, this is a good example. In Silverthorne, Colorado, there are four EA stations next to the Walmart, yep. which is not good. It's off the side, and the only thing you can do there is you can go and walk around to Walmart. Not that there's anything wrong with walking around to Walmart, it, but, but it's not. It, fine, that part's fine, whatever. I mean, there's some people who actually can make use it's just, of that time. I've done that. I, you know, I spend a lot of time walking around to Walmart. After a while, I, I get bored of the car section. <laughs> All right. Okay. The, um, the, the, the Tesla chargers, I want to say there are uh, at least 12 of them, mm -hmm. uh, and they're next to a Starbucks, and they're next to the outlet malls. Right, so you can go to Starbucks, get some coffee, and sit in the coffee shop, or you can go uh, and go shopping at the outlet mart. Plus, with the EA station, there's a thing called plug and go, right? Which Tesla does. So basically, you pull up to the Tesla, you plug it in, the car knows it's uh, uh, that it's hooked up, it initiates the charge, it tells you on the app how fast you're charging. Right. And my car, I brought it in the morning, and it had been sitting out all night, so uh, it was very cold. So when I plugged in, I was only getting like 70 kilowatt hour, 70 kilowatts, um, and the app actually told me uh, it'll go up, and it did as soon as the battery warms up. Mm -hmm. With EA, you're lucky for it to initialize. You have to have a separate app, right? You have to have a credit card installed in that app, and and most of the time it does work, but. As is with most things in life, the times you really need it to work, something goes wrong. There are times where you're going up and you can you can draw, you know, if you really and you don't know 300, 300 you know kilowatts, uh, but no, the, it's only letting you do fifty. And then Tesla opened up another set of chargers 
that's just down the road from there. So I think now there are 24. Mm -hmm. So four Electrify America stations. I believe it's four. It might be more. I think it's four. And like 24 Tesla stations. Better location. Uh, and if you're, look, you know, if you're kind of scratching your head thinking to yourself, you know, it's still a lot easier just to pull up to a gas pump. The answer is yes, it is. It is. It is, especially if you're towing. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, but we'll, but but just quickly backtracking. That's why we mentioned using your house as your station to fuel, and that is one of the huge differences between a majority of people. Sure, I'm sure someone who lives on a farm might have a gas there, but for the most part, most people who are commuting can use their house, fuel their vehicle, or, or charge their vehicle, and be done with it. And best part is if you have alternative electricity. I do. I have a, a solar. I can actually use that power. And it, it is kind of gratifying that I'm not spending very much in order to charge an electric car. Now, actually, a phone is a very good example of something I wanted to show you guys. See this? Phone, cell phone. You'll have them. You know what's in them? Basically the same type of architecture battery that you have inside of a majority of the electric cars that are out there. And yes, they went through the same process to be mined there's cobalt, stuff like that that's needed. And I know that we've received a lot of emails and a lot of comments about people saying getting the uh, building a lithium battery is an unethical thing. And I don't want to go into the politics of it, but I want to tell you guys straight out a couple things. The cobalt is one of the biggest issues, mining, and that's one of the things they're trying to switch over to. New thing coming out very soon, sodium ion battery. And that will take a lot of the... Rare earth minerals. Yeah, a lot of those minerals out of the equation, which is good, and they can build them at a higher quality, higher right. yield. See, that, that, that one I think is a, is a wash. So people who hate electric vehicles like to point to, you know, and this may or may not be true that there's, you know, 12-year-old kids in the Congo mining rare earth minerals, you know, uh, to feed the need for batteries. But they seem to completely have a blind spot for the fact that oil is – you know, also being, you know, there's a ton yeah. of environmental that. And also there's, there, yeah, if you're going to bring. Remember the Exxon Valdez? Yeah, <laughs> but it's not just that. It's actually going in and drilling in certain countries requires a lot of labor and a lot of that is unethical labor. So don't forget it. Uh, that's not going to work. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's like, it's it's like, come on. It's like, yeah, but oil is clean. No, oil no, it's is not. Clean. And oil is also finite resource. Mm -hmm. I know we keep thinking that the earth is full of it and at some point, you know, it's never going to run out, but it will run out and we make a lot of really good stuff with oil like plastics and once that's gone, what are we going to do? Use wood? No, we're going to use the children that were used to get the mine the cobalt and we're going to use their flesh. Look, guys, there are I, better uses for oil than burning it and putting it into the atmosphere. There really are. Yes, yes. And so we're not going to go into the whole political thing on that. But there is some, there's balance here, which I think will be more apparent in the near future. Now, first of all, recycling lithium-ion batteries, they actually can have a second life, which is very important. They, even after they drop past their 50%. Did you know, did you know that recycled, there's a company called Redwood, and I believe Volkswagen and a few of the OEMs, maybe Ford is working with them right now, and they're recycling car batteries. Mm -hmm. And did you know that a recycled uh, car battery is actually better than a, a new one because what the recycling takes out all the impurities and it's the impurities that make the batteries de de degenerate and lose range. Mm -hmm. So recycled batteries actually have a longer life and a longer range than the new ones. Yes, potentially. Uh, and, and But the thing is not everybody uses the same architecture. And once people start adopting more of the same one across the board, that will be huge. But they're also used in power grids and off offshore power grids, and they're used in a variety right. of other right. things. Could, I mean, a, a Tesla battery 
still has a, a lot of power. So you can use it for a power wall at your house mm -hmm. if you wanted to. But 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 people don't understand that there is a concerted effort to actually recycle these batteries, and they're not just because they're valuable. They're very valuable. Mm -hmm. and they're not just going into like you know the landfill. Uh, the other thing that that there have been studies, and Volvo comes to mind uh, in terms of how much. Uh, energy and how much carbon it takes to produce an electric vehicle versus an internal combustion vehicle. And, and this is something, once again, the science is out there. And, you know, you can argue both sides, but let's talk about the science, right? The actual numbers are there. Yeah, so the actual numbers, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go into, like, a lot of depth, but I'll give you basically. So it takes more energy in terms of, you know, carbon emissions and in terms of, you know, using either non-renewables to, to build an electric truck. It just does. It does. That's it does. true. It Absolutely does. true. But there comes a point in that truck's life, because it's using less non-renewables, right, mm -hmm. that it, it offsets itself. So if, if... Within a year, I think, is what like they're saying. It's like one or two years. Yeah. Volvo said about two years. So after about two years, the amount of energy and carbon emissions that it has taken to build... Uh, that electric vehicle are exceeded by internal combustion The equivalent, in, in, right. in, yes. And when you think that the average lifespan of a vehicle is well over like 12 years, electric vehicles are better for energy consumption. I'm going to say the environment because they use less energy and produce less carbon than internal combustion engines. So, yes, the first two years you're going to use more because it takes more to manufacture it. And that's just, that's just the facts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and look, we've been reviewing them and reviewing them and reviewing them and going to every source we can find because a lot of you guys are out there screaming and yelling on one side or the other saying either they're super, super clean or they're super, super dirty. Well, guess what? There's something in between, and this is the truth. So the bottom line is that at least for, the, for, for those who are looking for immediate satisfaction, no, your electric truck or your electric car is not as clean as the equivalent gas car or gas truck. However, within X amount of years, two years, one year, I, I thought I heard one year with some vehicles, then you are at a point to where you're suddenly even and then boom, 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 the one that's spewing the fumes just keeps on going. And that's part of the deal as well. All right. Well, let, let's talk about the, the you know, the, of course, the big elephant in the room. Uh, and before we get to that, to me, like the vehicle that has the least use case for electrification is a motorcycle. Right. And the reason I don't like electric motorcycles is because electric motorcycles already are fuel efficient. They already have I mean, gas motorcycles are already fuel efficient. They don't use a lot of gas. Uh, they have a high power to weight ratio already. And their electric vehicle, electric motorcycles are kind of ugly because you take what is this rolling art thing and you make it. Oh, uh, see, I, I'm totally, totally opposed to what you're saying. OK, that's fine. Totally I, I, I don't want I, I agree. I yeah, mean, okay. can have the argument. But I'm saying in my mind, yeah. that's the that's the worst case uh, scenario for electrification. And the second worst case is towing. Yeah. Okay. Now let's get to it with trucks. You have seen our videos and we've had some really popular videos out there where we've taken a gas truck and a, was it diesel? Yeah, it was a diesel truck yeah. versus an electric truck towing identical trailers next to each other and behind each other on the highway going exactly the same route with the same exact temperature, everything we could do possible to same keep- Same trailer. Yes to keep everything even. And the diesel truck completely outperformed the electric vehicle. And, and in two significant ways, not only in range, mm -hmm. the other problem with electric truck towing is that you're using the full battery. Remember how I said you're better off if you're road tripping to go from like 20% to 80%? When yep. you're towing, you're going to use that whole battery, which means you're going to have to fill up all the way to the top or close to it, and you're going to spend a lot of time charging. So not only do you get much worse range, but you get a lot longer charge times. You do indeed. And th there's a very important thing to remember here, and one thing we haven't talked about yet, 
heat management. One of the things about batteries, and electric motors for that matter, is that they are not as heat efficient as an internal combustion engine when it comes to long-term towing. So you're forcing that battery to suck up as much juice as it can and then to expend that juice immediately in order to tow. That means that the truck is managing that heat as well, meaning that you can derate yourself towing. That has happened to some people trying long distance towing with electric vehicles. That's something you have to keep in mind. But, but, there's something else that you guys may not have been aware of. Short distance towing. And that's where things change quite a bit. Yeah, because an electric motor, of course, has a ton of torque. Mm-hmm. So this, this ram that we're looking at basically tows what... Uh, heavy-duty truck will tow 14,000 pounds, right? Mm -hmm. That's pretty impressive. Of course, towing is not just about having torque. It's also about being able to cool and being able to stop the load. But in general, um, electric vehicles have much higher towing capacity because of the amount of torque that the motors put out. So let's say that you're on the job and your job site's 50 miles away and you have to tow a trailer uh, there and back and that trailer is 5,000 pounds worth of tools and whatnot. No problem. And on top of that, you can also use that truck as a power source at the work site, which is something that you really can't do with majority, I mean, to the same degree. Well, you can't, I mean, Ford has that onboard power and you can which have... Which is on a hybrid, which you said we'd talk about later. Right. But for the most part, most people don't have anything that produces right. but, that much power. But you got to run it. It's, it's dirty and loud and, you know, uses mm-hmm. a lot of gas, whereas the electric vehicle just sits there and it has an enormous battery and has an enormous amount of power that can be used. I think, I think the 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 difference between the hybrid and the lightning is that the lightning puts out nine kilowatts or nine i'm gonna get that mixed up like watts of power versus the the other one only does it's like, like seven or like something half that yep. it's, it's less than that mm. and so you've got you've got power that you can plug into the front you've got power that you can plug into the back you it, can it, plug in uh like battery tools and all that into the vehicle as you're driving they will charge you get to your work site, you're ready to go, and then you can use it again to plug the tr- straight into the truck. And you can also use it to power your home. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. And there's actually been instances That's in a Texas. Home ball of wax too. Yeah, but but it's 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 good to have. So there there are some utility things there. And as long as you're not pulling long distances, which I think is the biggest kryptonite that you can use against a truck, the the thing that it just True absolutely that. does not like is long distance towing for electric trucks. But Short distance, and we've done it with, with some light trailers, and they performed remarkably well. And in fact, some of the stuff was really cool because you gained a little bit more than we expected with um, using the uh, power regen system as you're going down a hill or something like that because that extra trailer, that extra weight kind of gives a little bit more. So we, we've learned some fascinating things about it. And as such, for light towing over short distances, yeah, those those electric trucks are pretty good. Yeah, so if you're a landscaper. Yeah, that's a really good one. Or, or let's say even a plumber and you need a truck around town, all that is great. If you know, if you're if you're going down the interstate, you're gonna your life is gonna be miserable because not only are you gonna have in general, this is this is very much in general, but we we can kind of kind of paint with a broad brushstroke here, Nathan. Mm. If Let's say if this Ram gets 500 miles, and I bet you the one that will get 500 miles of range is going to be probably a two-wheel drive, right? It's not going to be the all-wheel drive. I, I would imagine so, but, right. I, but we don't know yet. The rear-wheel sure. drive, right? With, yeah. with not a lot of bells and whistles, because mm-hmm. it's not going to be, it's going to make it as light as possible. 
Uh, so let's say that that battery is, like I said, 230 kilowatts, I think, kilowatt hours, then you're probably going to be looking at a re realistic range of anywhere between towing, depending how much you're towing, 250 to 300 miles of range if it's warm and it's not cold. If it's cold, you're probably going to be looking at maybe 200 miles of range that, with that a heavy load. That depends on the heavy load, though, yeah. if it's a heavy which load. Is, which is not a lot. No. Once again, that's the biggest – I think that that is the biggest hurdle that has to be overcome by uh, truck builders – in the future is how can we stretch the distance on towing? And there have been a couple things that have recently come up from companies, including Airstream, believe it or not. <laughs> Powering the trailer? Yes. Yeah. Why not? I know. Why not? Why not? You know, uh, why not drop a 50 kilowatt hour battery inside of a uh, Airstream trailer, power the rear wheels, and have it so when you're pulling it, you're essentially pulling just a couple hundred pounds as far as the truck is concerned. And that will extend your range significantly. You still have drag and some other issues to worry about, but the point is, is that that's not impossible to do. And in Europe, working with Audi and some other companies, there are a couple of European companies that have already built and started producing some of these trailers, smaller ones, that have their own power and can actually work as a power station if you want them to as well. There are pluses and minuses to that. And as we progress into the future, you're gonna see more and more of these solutions coming out with trucks trying to make their range a little bit more manageable for towing. Now, now there's another thing that we need to touch upon here, Nathan, mm. and that is, that's another misconception, right? Because you don't notice it in a gas vehicle. It happens as well, but it's very noticeable in an electric truck. So aerodynamics. Mm. I, I can't, uh, there was a Hoovy video recently where he got rid of his uh, Lightning Pro because he wasn't, he, was, he wasn't like getting the range that he was expecting to get towing. It was a classic Ford, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I noticed him driving down the highway, and he was driving at, because uh, he showed his pedometer, at like 75 miles an hour or 80 miles an hour. It was, it was fast, right? Mm -hmm. And electric trucks, because of the current crop, have not been designed. Like you, we said, right, this Ram is basically the current Ram that they electrified. Yeah, with the new nose. Right? So is the Lightning. Mm -hmm. These are... These are not aerodynamic vehicles, and there's an exponential amount of energy that gets used the faster you go. So the difference between towing at 55 miles an hour and 75 miles an hour is immense. I can't I can't explain to you how much range you lose by by you know pushing that vehicle into the wind. And the same thing happens with gas vehicles, but because it takes only two minutes to refill, you don't notice it. Same yeah, thing happens. But, I would but, say that but, but with electrics, you really notice it because you you see your range like. Per, precipitously dropping very quickly and then mm -hmm. you and you and, and you feel like hey the speed limit's 75 in utah it's 80 and so you're bombing along at 80 towing you know a heavy trailer you're going to kill your range like, like instantly and in it, the winter you're going to you're just like 100 miles of range right so uh and, and that's a problem it's a problem and it's not just towing it's even just driving down the highway yeah, yeah. we noticed that driving cross country in an electric car that when we maintained speed limit or we were just under the speed limit our range was significantly more than when we were bouncing a little bit over it. It made a huge difference. And that's one of the games you're going to have to play going long distance. Long distance itself is an issue with electric vehicles. Now, there's plenty of people, including us, who have driven cross-country. And for the most part, if you're, if you're a Tesla owner, really not that hard to do. I oh, mean, easy. You'll, you'll stop more often than you will in a gas vehicle. And we're going to hopefully prove that one of these days. But the point is, is that it's relatively easy by comparison. You do it, and if you're going to um, uh, CCS and you're going to plug in along the way like we did, uh, it's harder. And it takes a lot of planning, a lot of logistical planning, and it's a pain in the neck. Now, so, it should get easier. So, so that's uh, another thing that, like, Tesla does really well, right? When you're cross-country tripping, you just put in your destination, and the Tesla figures out the optimal route. 
and the mm. optimal charge time. So the way most people drive gas vehicles is you drive it till it's almost empty, pull over, fill up with the gas station. Because there's, there's one on every corner. corner. And then keep going, do the same thing, mm -hmm. right? With uh, electric vehicles, that's not the optimal way to cross country. You may drive for two hours, get the battery to 40%, then top off to 70%, maybe you know, do a quick 10-minute stop in a Tesla, mm -hmm. and then go another 100 miles and do it again, right? That, and, and it calculates that for you. Uh, Unfortunately, non-Teslas don't do that. There's a better route planner, and they try to do it, but they don't. Because, for instance, Tesla knows how many superchargers are open, mm -hmm. how many are being occupied. So it can plan accordingly, and it knows exactly because they're using crowdsourced data. To, so it knows when you're crossing. That's real time. Yeah, it knows when you're crossing, let's say, from Cheyenne to Salt Lake City, how much energy that car is going to use because people have driven that hundreds of hundreds of thousands of times now. So right. it, whereas none of that is incorporated into, like, the Ram or the Ford. And so you're kind of out on your own. And so what ends up happening is you end up spending a lot of time trying to find chargers and being really stressed and anxious about getting to the charger. True. And to the charger is another point. So uh, even with Tesla, when you uh, need a charge, you have to go off the highway and then you have to find the charger. And they rarely are they right off the highway. So when you're looking at your range for long distance traveling, suddenly you have to add to that, be it CCS or Tesla, because you suddenly have to drive around and usually into some store or some area or a chic Starbucks or whatever, fill up your vehicle. Dude, dude that, that Starbucks is like quarter mile off of I-70. Yeah. It's not far. It's far enough. It's, it's, it's right by the gas station. How long does it take to drive a quarter mile in traffic? It's next to the gas station. It. What I'm, but how that's one particular charge. I'm saying no, I disagree. No, the, no, no, no. Tesla, I, I, we've had we've owned five Teslas, yeah. I've cross country them. Tesla chargers are, I'll give you an example. Most Tesla chargers are right next to the highway, they, they built them out first, they put them right next to highways. The for instance, mm -hmm. the 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 Electrify America charger in uh, Grand Junction, where I drove a lot, right, is eight miles off the highway at the Sam's Club? Yeah, agreed, and it's a pain. Right, but the Tesla is right there on the highway. Teslas now, are on the highway. My brother and his Tesla experience in California, which is one That's of the most- That's a whole other story, but- But, but, but to be fair, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, he, he has to go off the highway, he has to drive over to a mall, and it takes him about 10 minutes each direction in order to get to a charger, that's and that's unusual. with Tesla. But, but it's, not, uh, it's not the only time that's happened. There's other times. And my point is, is that gas stations are a dime a dozen, yep, very sure. easy to get to, very quick to get to, and then quick in and out, and you're gone. Another thing about Tesla, and we've been talking too much about it without addressing something huge. They still don't have a truck. Yes. So you're listening to this right now, and there is no Tesla Cybertruck on the highway. It's been delayed and delayed and delayed if, and delayed. If we're lucky, there'll be one. There'll be one. And that, when I say one, I mean one. <laughs> one actual driving <laughs> this year. model. <laughs> and maybe they'll go into production at the beginning of the first quarter of next year. And every announcement they make, we take with a grain of salt. Of course, we produce it. If you go to tfltruck.com or all TFL, you're going to see every bit of latest news on the Cybertruck. But frankly, it's been put off so many times that we, I really don't want to even talk about it because it doesn't exist yet. Yeah, I mean, we, we've, been, we've been kind of praising Tesla. But, you know, if you, if you want to post a child for a company where promises have not been kept, that's many the, and many important promises have not been indeed kept. and the Cybertruck just being one of them mm -hmm. I can name another one the Roadster yeah you know uh, the or, or the, an expensive entry level yeah the Model know, 2 whatever they're going to call yeah, it yeah whatever they're the, going to the, call the it the semi truck you know well it, the semi truck came out it just keeps breaking it, it came out but like 
two years after they said it would. Yeah. So, but with, uh, so backtracking, talking about other companies that are doing high tech trucks that aren't the big three, then you would talk about Rivian. And Rivian has kept their promise essentially. And their truck is a very good example of what a modern electric truck can be. Uh, it's not perfect, but it certainly does a lot of things quite well. Yeah. So uh, we have to touch upon one last thing before we wrap this up, mm -hmm. uh, and that is off-road. Yes. And that's one of my biggest issues with electric trucks. You can't go off-road? You can do some off-roading, but they weigh too much to really off-road. It depends. Um, the, the Hummer EV was very heavy, and it, on a steep hill, instead of going up the hill, it would dig a hole. Actually, four holes. Yeah, and it, it crushed boulders, and I was worried about certain bridges it crossed. It, it's just too bloody heavy. And also, in, in, the, in the Hummer's case, it's a little too wide, as far as yes. I'm concerned, to be effective off-road. But even smaller vehicles, like we just mentioned the Rivian. The Rivian's actually a decent off-road. It, it has some pretty good off-road chops, but it still is an electric vehicle going off-road, meaning that it's heavy. And then we still it's have also, an answer. It's also quiet. It is very quiet, which is cool, but we haven't... I know a lot of you guys have asked in the past, and we haven't been able to fully answer it, how safe are they off-road? Because that battery is basically at the belly of the vehicle, and if it gets hit by something that's significant, will it explode? The chances are no. Um, that is a heavily armored section of every electric vehicle out there. They know that the belly is susceptible to things, and if you're going off-road, they build them up to be so, even stronger. So that's a good, that's a plus point for the electric off-roader, right? In general, uh, and we just did a video where we went underneath the new uh, GMC um, uh, and showed it uh, what it looks like underneath. There's all kinds of things hanging down, and there's all kinds of plates that are, you know, there to protect the diff, the gas tank, uh, you know, the engine. Right? Mm -hmm. Electric vehicles in general are just flat because of aerodynamics. Big one piece of steel underneath. So there's not a lot to get hung up on. And like with the Hummer EV, that's a chunky piece of steel. It's a Exactly. And that's, that was my point. Um, they're aware of the fact that those batteries can be a bit of an issue if they are pierced. But because they put some serious armor underneath these things, I would imagine that for the most part, you're pretty safe. However, once again, you are talking about a lot of extra weight. Fortunately, it is sitting pretty low, so you're not talking about you know having a tippy vehicle. But then the other side of it, of course, is just when you're articulating and going through things, how much weight is being shoved on those tires? Well, I, I, I think the biggest issue is you can't really plug it into a tree, right? Uh, there's a there's a lot of places off road that uh, if you go far enough, at least. In America, you won't be able to recharge, and that that there's a, there's a range issue, mm -hmm. uh, and obviously Rivian is building out its charger network at trailheads, and Jeep has said the same thing. Yeah, but I haven't seen much progress in any of those. Yeah, it's going to take some time to ramp those yeah. up. There's also a, a whole new batch of hydrogen-powered uh, portable electric sites that will be able to go anywhere in the world. They basically run off their own energy. The only thing that they put out is some water. And you could technically put them really at any trailhead you wanted to or in the middle of a trail and just truck them out of there when you're done. And they should be able to power several vehicles you know, using that type of system. And instead of putting the hydrogen in the car, you put it in the power plant. And in many cases, that can be very effective. So that could be a future tech tool worth looking at. Now, now, now for me, uh, in terms of capability, I still think uh, 
traditional lockers are better than e-lockers. Mm. So, uh, you know, at well, least we've had the, experience. At least in the Hummer, I have found that, uh, you know, the, the solutions they've come up with aren't, uh, and that's why the Lightning has a traditional locker, mm. right? So the Rivian has four motors, one in each wheel, and then basically uh, it simulates as if there were three lockers, a center, front end, but it doesn't quite work the same way. So I think there's still technology in terms of actual off-roading ability that can improve in electric vehicles. But the greatest thing about electric vehicles off-road is there's no emissions. I, I can't tell you and how... massive torque right off. I mean, massive torque, yeah. I can't tell you how, how much it sucks when you're at a campsite and somebody you know, pulls up in a diesel, an old diesel especially, and it's mm. just sitting there you know, idling while you're trying to enjoy the babbling brook. Okay, I... I'm usually listening to heavy metal, so I'm not caring. You're the guy in the diesel. Listening I'm the guy in the diesel listening to that music. Listening to Ozzy. Yeah, the hell with that. The boneyard. I don't want to hear babbling. I'm married. I don't need babbling when I'm in nature. Uh, but there is something else. We did one thing before we wrap up also, which we promised to talk about briefly, just briefly. So our electric truck's stupid, dude. No, that wasn't what we were going to – we're not going to wrap quite yet. We'll get there. One All second. Right. One final thing is some of you guys were com probably commenting, hey, what about plug-in hybrid vehicles? What about – Range extenders? Uh, range extenders. They don't exist. Those don't exist. But we do have the Ford F-150 that does have a, um, a battery, and it is actually a pretty damn good truck. Andre owned one for a year. He loved it. It was a very effective, you, very utilitarian vehicle. But you can't go on electric on that or the Toyota. Uh, no, I think in parking lots it'll shut off the gas engine if you're driving like a two miles per hour. For right, but, but that's I, it. But those are just basically... But no plug-in hybrids actually yet, and no range extenders. Not for those, but Jeep has already proven that you could do it with a Wrangler and the 4xE, yep. and it's they're very effective, and it's one of their best sellers because it works. It's not perfect, but it works, and I think that that type of system, once they have had a little bit more time with it, you're going to see it. I wouldn't say it's going to go through every vehicle out there, but you're going to see it grow and grow and grow. So, so, and that, I think, so, might be the future, So you too. bring up another good point, and I was doing some thinking about this, and this is me speculating uh, why is there no range extender, right? The big the big uh, tease about the REV, the Ram REV, was that it's going to come with a range extender, mm -hmm. right? And so yeah. what, what I mean by range extender is kind of like the way a locomotive works. So you have a battery, a big battery, not mm -hmm. a small battery, a big battery that powers a vehicle, and then at a certain point, there's a motor... Uh, sorry, an engine, a motor, it has a motor. It has, there's an engine that kicks in mm -hmm. and then works as a generator to, to basically power uh, the battery, which then turns the wheels, which then moves the truck, right? Yeah. And the question is, why does that not exist? And I think I may have an answer to that. Please. So as you know, we bought uh, uh, a BMW i3 with a Rex, a range extender, right? Yeah. And the way that one works, it, it had a small battery. Uh, and then there was a, 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 to this day, I don't know why BMW used the Kimco 600, I think, I think it was 660cc engine, right? So you would drive it on the battery, and then when the battery was depleted, the little Kimco would kick on, and it would power, power the battery. Power the battery, charge the battery. So unbeknownst to me, uh, and stupidly, Tommy and I decided to drive it up to the mountains. Oops. So we got 50 miles of range translates from driving it from here to Georgetown. Okay. And then you know what happens at Georgetown, right? Oh, yeah. It gets really steep. Very steep. Very steep. So we ran out of juice. Mm -hmm. uh, the range extender kicks in. And guess how fast we were going, going up I-70? 35? 25. 25, okay. And then we decided to go over Loveland Pass, which gets even steeper. And guess how fast we were going, going up Loveland Pass? 15. Yep, exactly. Yeah. 16 miles an hour. So, so, so I'm thinking the reason for there being no range extender is that the amount of horsepower... To, you need to generate enough power to charge that battery so you can tow would be a Pentastar. 
Maybe. Right? That's why I think. Then you're really, you're not going to do it with a little tiny, you know, like some small little generator. You're going to need a Pentastar. And at that point, you, you want to talk about heavy, right? Then you've got a full-on Pentastar, big old V6, and yeah. a large battery. Now you're talking about a truck that weighs, what, 10,000 pounds? Maybe. Um, so that, that is true, but that's also old tech. We're talking about an yeah, i3, old, yeah. which is about eight-year-old tech now. It is old tech. Yeah. And the good news is, is that uh, there's been a lot of movement on that front, and they're now talking about dual-stage um, power converters that essentially are taking what you're doing with your electric truck as you're driving it, and then the system intelligent, well, like your phone, basically, it thinks about it and goes, okay, he's using this much, I'm going to fire up now as he's driving, start filling up that battery, and being able to do it at a higher rate with different types of gears and everything else, as opposed to what that old Kimco could do, should be able to be uh, much more, much more capable in a truck. But right now, I think before we're going to see a lot of those things hit the market, the automakers are trying to figure out exactly what the U.S. government wants to do in terms of that. And once they figure that out, I think you're going to, once there's an agreement, you're going to see more of those trucks hit the market. And as I said, the 4xE in some ways is leading the way because it's proven that something like that can work. You can plug it in, drive it around, and then 20 miles easily with a, with a Wrangler, which is shaped like a brick, as long as you're driving it on the streets. And I've done it before, and it actually works. So are electric trucks stupid? I, would, I think the answer to that is it depends on your use case scenario. If you're, if you're trying to replace an electric truck, if you're trying to place a heavy-duty, super-duty with an electric truck, you're probably going to not be happy. Yeah. You, no, there's no problem. You won't be happy. Yeah. But if you're trying to replace a midsize or a full-size truck and, you know, your expectations are that you're going to be driving it around town either for, you know, your own personal use or for work, I think it's a much better solution than an internal combustion engine. I would agree. I've seen a case study where there was a, a vineyard and uh, some companies that worked within that vineyard, you know, that supplied it with parts and everything else. They all used electric vehicles or electrified vehicles, and they saved a ton of money over the course of one year and with maintenance and gas and everything else. And then on top of that, they all seem to fall in love with this thing because it's just such an easy plug, play, and go. But if you love the sound of a V8, and you want to just, you know, make the ground tremble with your power, you're not going to do it in an electric vehicle. And you're going to have to embrace that one way or the other uh, because you can't get both. Yeah, I mean, once again, it's like, do you listen to your heart or do you listen to your head? Right. I mean, but because one is more logical than the other. And I think that in the future, now, right now, it's not being shoved down your throat. And it's not going to be shoved down your throat anytime soon. Remember that. I mean, I know you're hearing certain dates and times and everything else, but... Nothing's concrete yet, so you could still go out and buy your gas trucks Except and everything's cool. California, California is California, but that's even, a whole different. But that's, but but there's still okay. There's still wiggle room for trucks and all, and that they're working on that right now. So the bottom line here is that I would agree. Gas trucks have never been as efficient as they ha are now. They're remarkably efficient, even really powerful ones, and they put out very few toxins by comparison. But there is a point where you'll have to look down the line, if you don't need to tow, maybe an electric truck might be the way to go. And That's you know, all. And you know what um, is also kind of scary right now? Mm. Uh, and that is, you know, if you love internal combustion engine trucks, uh, you know, you could always make the case that they're cheaper. But I'm not sure that's the case anymore because, you know, we've been looking at – we just had uh, that GMC out there, AT4X, mm -hmm. $92,000 for a Sierra, Nathan. That's yeah. $92,000. 
It's, the pr- truck prices are stupid. That's a whole different discussion, which we've gone over before so, on TFL so truck. I kind of feel like, yeah, electric trucks are more expensive, but internal combustion engine trucks are quickly catching up, unfortunately. Right. I would agree. Hey, guys, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Sorry Andre wasn't here, but you're going to get him back next time you listen to this podcast. Yeah, and let us know what you think in the comments below. Uh, and, guys, if you know, we get a lot of comments like electric trucks suck. That's th- fine. If you want to say that, that's great, but it's not adding to the discussion. You know, maybe it's making you feel better and making you vent, but it doesn't like those comments. I don't even read. I don't, I don't care about them. You know, I, I, gotta, I, I appreciate the thoughtful comments. I, I do, too. And right now, bear in mind, we are trying to be as open as possible because we love gas trucks and we love electric trucks. Dude, we, we have own a Raptor R. Yeah. We had a TRX that we love. <laughs> yeah. but, but the bottom line is that we're trying to research the product. So even though a lot of you guys are like, oh, you're doing nothing but electric trucks. No, we're doing whatever's new and we're going to review it. So we're also still doing gas trucks. And yes, we're doing diesels too. And I want to thank you guys for the thoughtful comments. Thank and, you. And, and corrections too, because, you know, uh, we're, we're learning just like you are. And so mm. I'm sure some of the stuff that, you know, that, that we have said, there's people out there who are smarter than we are yeah. and, 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 and know that we've made mistakes. So if you want to add those there we'll love to read them and learn from you as well thank you so much for your support guys we'll see you next time ciao bye say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.